Hey, this is the Mark Explains Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and tuning in to this episode. My name is Mark and I'm your host and I have had a co-host, Ashlyn, for the past couple of years and we have done a ton of episodes together Um, and I am kind of branching off a little bit, not so much without him, but he is busy raising a family and I do not, I am not married and I have no kids. And so I am doing these solo podcasts uh, as a side venture, but it is not to leave him behind. He is still joining me on many of these episodes, Uh, but the episodes that are a little more dense in nature, the ones where we talk about life and the universe and things of really dense uh, substance. And so I've decided to put together a series of podcasts that I meet these really incredible people and I just want to talk to them and I want to hear their story and I want to hear what they're doing and that is what these are about. So this is the second installment of the BeerCast. This is a great friend of mine. His name is Tom Pfeiffer. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation as Tom is incredibly intellectual and intelligent. Uh, he's well-spoken and he's one of one of my dearest friends. Thank you again for tuning in to the Mark Explains podcast and I hope you really enjoy this episode. Good to see you, bro. Good to see you. Cheers. Cheers. We are here at Elk Brewing, Grand Rapids. What are you drinking? I'm drinking the peanut butter porter. Mm. I think you told me that this was a, what'd you say, a <laughs> meal or you, you said- A sandwich in a glass. A sandwich in a glass, <laughs> yeah. It is 100% exactly what that is. <laughs> it is a sandwich in a glass. Porters and like real dense IPAs are like sandwiches and like they- yeah. It's a loaf of bread. It, well, it is. <laughs> if you're hungry yeah. and thirsty. Yeah. Um, th- see, the problem I have with like real dense beers like that one, uh, like a real dense IPA, I get headaches. Like I'll get a get hangover. Headaches. I'll get a hangover before I'm done with the beer. <laughs> it's because the sugar content's so okay. high. In those. And I, I mean like natural sugar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the starch is, it's just so high. Okay. My body metabolizes every everything I put in it. And yeah. it's just like done and I, I have a headache if I drink three of those like if, if people are like let's go drinking and yeah. they and they show up at the craft beers it's like three yeah. days well the, I mean that's the, the micro craft scene is not exactly sit you know sets itself up for for like let's just crush a bunch of beers bro <laughs> like there's a reason that no. like Bud Light and Miller Light yeah. exist you if, know if, if I'm on a boat <laughs> yeah exactly I am drinking Coors Light because I get more hydrated yeah yeah I gotta hydrate yeah than anything <laughs> It's like people are like you need to drink water. No, I got Coors. I'm good. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, I will say a good like session all day kind of beer on a boat. That's the one like craft beer that I'll do. Is oh like yeah. A, you get you know all day IPA from Founders. Uh, New Holland uh, does. Oh, it's the the little piglet. Dude, the all day. I am such a big fan of that. Yeah. But I am a one beer all day IPA. <laughs> so not all day. One one, one and done. Yeah. It lasts all day. <laughs> that is what happens when I drink all day IPA. It's it, that's a great beer. Um, have you had a uh, uh, Bell's? Uh, it's the one that comes out once a year for like one month. Oh, uh, and it used to have like thirteen percent alcohol. Mm. I'll get you there. What was it? Hop Slam. I have not had that Bell's one. Bell's Hop I've Slam. Heard of that? Yeah. So it's, it, it's super limited. I think like they brew it with like those little baby onions. Um, it is so <laughs> story. Uh, back when I lived in Holt, this was back in 2017. 
2016, 2017. Yep. I went to this place called Buddy's, Buddy's Bar and Grill. It's one of the local joints. And they had on tap uh, uh, Hop Slam. And I was like, ooh, that sounds good. They're like, yeah, it has 13% alcohol. I don't think it has that anymore. I think they dropped down okay. to under that 10% threshold okay. for the Michigan whatever regulatory issues they have. Oh. Yeah, like huh. be, if you want to be a beer, you have to be under a certain level, I well, guess. How, how does... How, how would Dragon's Milk get by that? I'm not sure. Yeah. I, I don't know all the rules. You don't know all the rules. Okay. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> I won't grill you but on I, But I remember when it first came out, it was like 13.5%. And so, but I didn't know that. I was just like, I'll take the biggest one they got. They're like, we're only, yeah, we can only give you one. It's 32 ounce. We can only give you one. 32 ounces of that beer? That's over a, a bottle liter. of wine. It's a liter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's as strong as wine, and that's more than a yeah. bottle of wine. So I got oh a, yeah, goodness. I got a 32 ounce pitcher of it for myself. Oh. And I didn't know it was this dense. Oh my um, gosh. And I'm also really hungry and I'm also at the peak of my training. Yeah. And so I was super hungry and I ordered that and I ordered like a beer or like a sandwich or I might order pizza, but it took like a really long time to get there. So and I was food, yeah. on a date. Oh no. <laughs> and I'm just sipping away and I get down and there's maybe like an inch left of this beer. And I'm like, Ooh, I got to go pee. And I stand up and I'm like, Whoa, yeah. I'm like, Oh God, I'm drunk. Like I'm, yeah. I'm legit drunk. And it was maybe like 15 minutes. Oh no! <laughs> it hit me so fast. Yeah. Oh, but that that beer is—it's like sweet. Okay. It's like a sweet IPA. Yeah. Oh, I I like whenever it comes out. I but like a four a four pack to buy them from Kroger is like twenty five dollars. Yeah, I no it. joke. Yep. It's so expensive. Totally worth it. Yep. Tom. Hey Mark. Tommy Fife. <laughs> Dude, introduce yourself, man. Yeah. Well, Thank you for coming on, for taking time. Dude, I'm, I'm glad to be here. Introduce glad. yourself. Who are you? What yeah. do you do? Well, my name's Tom, and uh, I got to know Mark through the gym a little while back. Um, back in the day. Yes. And, God, where do I start to introduce myself? Well, um, what do you do? Well, what I do right now mm -hmm. is that I coach CrossFit. I'm a barista at a coffee shop, and I'm a server bartender at a moonshine distillery. Uh, That's the in interesting one. Uh, yeah. Um, but those are all new from within the last month or two. Um, I was a pastor for three years. Uh, that finished in June of this year. And for a few years before then, I uh, was on staff at a church. So I've, I've worked in what you call professional full-time ministry uh, for six years. And then... Um, needed to take a step back and so interesting that, that just happened so we're going to talk about that tonight on this week's beer cast beer cast the beer cast i like that on the mark explains yeah so we're doing beer cast se uh, sessions cool and where we go around local joints we're actually outdoors right now it's nice yeah. like 75 degrees like perfect uh my also side note my, my birthday is next week are you kidding yeah nice. so this is starting beer cast is starting on like the perfect time of the year. It's birthday week. It's birthday week. <laughs> it's the, it's, you know, September is the best damn month of the year. You know why? Because it's my birthday. <laughs> ah, there it is. Yeah, yeah. Kara feels the same way. Uh, birthday week just started for my wife, Kara. So that's, you know, feels. Yes, feels. Yep. You know, yeah. uh, she, I'm guessing she's a Virgo, which is obviously the, the best sign. Because, sure. Because it's mine. Nice. And, <laughs> <laughs> you know, my birthday falls on either the last day of summer the first day of fall so you're like 21 22 something like that Every, 20, it's yeah. the 22nd okay. and uh this year it's on the solstice okay and i just feel like it's so special like there is equal day 
daylight and nighttime hmm. for the entire world yeah. on my birthday. Wow. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> world. Thanks for being born, Mark. You're welcome, world. We, we really needed you. <laughs> uh, it wasn't like that last year. I was a day off. Oh, but, but this year, this year you're you welcome. did it, man. And the next year, who knows? Yeah, we'll find we'll out. We'll find out <laughs> every year. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that is uh, what we're doing, uh, the beer cast. And it's um, so you have you like were you raised in religion? Yeah, so I, I was raised. Um, Wait, how old are you? I'm 31. 31. Uh, yeah, so. Did you always know that you're going to be a pastor? I did not. No, I had friends in seminary who had the story of like, I was 16 years old and God told me I was going to be an elder in the United Methodist <laughs> Church. And I was like, dude, you're way too into this, man. Like, <laughs> or just like, or just really, it was like, that has not been my experience. Interesting. So. Um, yeah, like family background, um, both of my parents were kind of raised in, in different church settings. My mom was actually a pastor's kid in the Episcopal Church. Um, and then they kind of did the young adult, not as connected in church. And then they went back to church, uh, right around when I was like nine years old. So, you know, I have some memories from like before then, but basically most of my life that I can remember involved being part of a church. What and was, who was God to you when you were a kid? Um, oh, that, that raises all sorts of things, right? Because, um, God, we can go in Enneagram direction. I don't know how Enneagram savvy uh, your listeners are, but, um, I'm going to do a whole Enneagram podcast. Yeah. I'll have you on. It, it can feel kind of code like, and when um, people don't know, it no, sucks, but the, I, the, I, I the can, people that listen to this podcast yeah. are uh, enough of them well, are tell you what, I'll try to my best to do it without number thumping. You know, number thumb for um, a bit. Yeah. Dive, so, dive in, scoop in and scoop out. So when I, you know, last few years discovered uh, that I relate to the type three on the Enneagram and which side note, just for the record, eights and threes get along so well. It, like they his, can historically, they can, except for when we're sneaky, slimy with the truth. And you eights are like, fucking tell me the truth, man. Give it to me straight. Don't why, give me this bullshit. Why are you beating around the bush to make this look good and just tell me as it is and i'm saying you know what sometimes a certain situation needs to be treated with a certain kind of tact yeah, you, you wouldn't to use like, others that's not me being you fake. have to like fluff it up and make it look good and i'm just like <laughs> no give me the dirty truth just tell me the way it is so i can make a proper decision oh man i so my administrative coordinator at the church where i was just working was an enneagram eight and it was an education uh to learn how to work with her and how to communicate with her coming from a place where I was with a lot of nines, a lot of passive oh, energy, a lot yeah. of that kind of thing. The church then, is lit. The church leadership is littered with nines. Hmm. I'll have to pay attention to that yeah. more. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that later. Yeah. But the, the church loves the welcoming nine and encourages the nines to get into leadership roles because they are submissive and they are always wanting everyone to Interesting. be so when happy. You, when you say leaders, uh, not necessarily the, the pastor, yeah. I mean, the associates, the yeah. the welcoming people, the yeah. the um, uh, it's basically everyone that is not the support. Yes, the entire support staff. They're just all a bunch of nice. <laughs> uh, good amount of sixes in there. Oh yeah, um, we well, have to have the sixes. Yeah, because they you know make sure everything is you know in order. They're the ones who are still made. working on all of the ideas that you came yep. up with four months ago and when also you had very, new ideas this month. And then very concerned 
with all of those ideas and yeah. then also very laid back. Yes, yes, <laughs> that, that's pretty well said. Anyways, uh, so for me, I, I think it's interesting to, to go back and, you know, I'm on a therapy journey, uh, have been for a few years within this as well. And um, did you need therapy from church? Ooh, I think I needed therapy from life and I think life has involved church. Um, I wouldn't say church was the primary thing that sent me there, but um, I, I, church comes up a good amount. Yeah, um, yeah the, we could bounce a lot of different you know places in the story here, but you know I, I think a a big piece of therapy recently has been pastoring in a community in which I didn't feel like I could say all the things that I believed even as I believed them with conviction out of my training and my formation as a Christian, as a pastor, as you know, all the, the ways that I've been learning and growing over these last few years. Um, well, you have the freedom in this very moment to say or believe exactly what you do. So what do you believe? Yeah, God loves gay people. It's not a sin he, to be gay. He does. Yeah, it's it's not holy shit. It's not a sin to be gay, and I think that um, was that a big part of the dissension where you existed. Oh, I I kept that sentence that I just said very quiet. Really? Oh, if I would have said that, it would have had catastrophic consequences. As my upbringing would have been the same. Yeah. So I mean, and and this is where like it's really easy to be like, oh well, then be someone with conviction and say that and. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of mess about how churches do money and about how pastors do money and yep. all that stuff. Yep. I'll give you another side of the story. Um, if I said that, I'd probably have to fire my children's ministry coordinator huh. because we wouldn't be able to make budget. Whoa! <laughs> wow! Right? So like, <clears throat> that's one of the challenges of organized religion and all that kind of thing. Like when you have that kind of pressure that can exist when there are the, the people of the community who give and, and, it's, and it's incredible. People are generous and they wanna be part of that and they, they believe in a mission, all that jazz. Um, but at what point do you like, it, it can become a very real thing. Now I think I've been in environments where the pastor wouldn't address anything controversial whatsoever oh, no. out of fear That's super of what would people do. I would and, say the gross majority of churches are afraid to scare off the people that tithe yes, the most. Yes. And so they you know it's it's always the the safest yeah. sermon from the from the pulpit. Yeah. But the ones that really it's like and then there's a window of pastors that tried to be honest mm -hmm. but don't really make it and those churches die and then the ones that are super just real and those ones flourish. And yeah. so there's a and there's a big gap there. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, other other beliefs, um, the church to take an active role in leading conversations, reconciling conversations about racial justice and racial injustice in this country. Um, and that, uh, you know, you're not sounding very Republican right now. <laughs> well, that's the other thing is like that to be Christian doesn't mean that you're Republican. No, 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 no. Um, Here in America, it's. It's Republican Jesus. Yeah. Oh, White Christian Republican Jesus. That is who we believe in. And Jesus was Mike's, white, by the way, and uh, Republican. Mark. <laughs> Mark. Am I hitting, hitting buttons? You, no, you're just, you're, I mean, you, you, you have a pulse of like, a sense of the pulse of what, why these environments can be difficult. And, yes. And this was even at a place where like, um, 
they're really great people. There's a lot of great people at this church and people who even loved me and, and love care in me. That's my wife. And were really supportive in a lot of ways. I had a leadership team that, you know, was really supportive. And yet, um, I, I, I did not feel like I could fully be myself. Um, you know, it also has to do with like going through my own journey of, you know, still having a faith, but a faith that includes doubt. Um, a, a faith that is letting go of certainty, um, a faith that loves scripture but holds it with an open hand. What's something that you doubt within your faith? Oh gosh. Um. <laughs> is it an easier question to say what is something you don't doubt? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. I, I think, um, well, so, you know, a lot of us are raised in, you know, where faith is certainty. And, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, and that makes sense. So I just, I just, I'm, I'm in the process of listening to a book written by, um, oh, I'm going to blank on his name, uh, Brian you, McLaren. Yeah, you sent it to me, uh, right? Yeah. So it's called Faith After Doubt. Um, and, you know, he, he just lays out a, a kind of a really simple framework trying to draw together a lot of different, you know, scholarship and a lot of different kind of theories and, and people who've worked on like stages of faith, like stages of, of like kind of faith development and, and all this kind of thing. And in earlier stages, like certainty is really important and normal. And it even fits like a certain level of brain development of like safe and unsafe, good and bad, in and out, us and them, you know? Yeah. Um, well, and, I mean, the human brain is, is biased towards certainty. Right. And yes. And if you were to um, go to a church, let's say, for example, I am the pastor currently in this, in this, I mean, cause I've, I've held a pastor role. I was a uh, youth pastor for uh, a, a short season, about nine months, I believe is what it was. Okay. Um, so I've held the pastoral role before um, and I've spoken, but like now in this, in this role, let's say I, I'm a pastor and I'm sharing the things that I know to be true. And I would also probably share the things that I would know to probably be, um, well, I'm not fully certain on, but I would, I would probably share a lot of things on like the goodness, you know, like we, we need to, there wouldn't be a lot of certainty in my messages. Mm. And then you, you pair that next to a pastor who is very certain, like a TD Jakes, yeah. who is just absolutely certain who are you going to naturally want to believe more? Even if there's more merit to my claims, yeah. there's more certainty to theirs. Yeah. And the human brain just naturally is biased towards certainty. They're going to believe somebody that's certain regardless of merit. Mm -hmm. So we're biased towards certainty just from human brain biological yes. perspective. Then you add American culture. Then yes. you add, you know, very kind of confident, dominant. We love uh -huh. our leaders. We love our icons. Um, and then you get like tweeting, tweetable things of if you can say it in a tweet that and, and say it, you know, in a way that's really like a couple of sentences that captures it. And, you know, oh, yeah, uh, the uh, oh, what is it? The lack of evidence isn't the evidence of lack something like that. Oh, you yeah. Know? So and then and then you add like the rhyming. Yeah. Or, you know, alliterations yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole mess. It's you know, a play on like, words. If if it's five C's, you know, that's when you know it's from the Lord. Oh, you know, is, is if it can God. all be with. <laughs> My goodness, it's, it's amazing how much that caught on. Thanks, Rick Warren. Um, <laughs> but you know, so like 
capturing this like powerful like you know like and it feels like this I'm gonna reduce it to like this nugget of truth and like this is what it is and you know and and some of it is like within the Bible we're gonna go here um, you know within the Bible you have a book called Proverbs and it's wisdom literature and it's a lot of like simple statements and they're statements of wisdom that kind of capture and like distill and you can even study individual proverbs and like apply them to life now at the same time even within the book of proverbs you have different proverbs that seem like they contradict one another controversial contradictory yeah so uh -huh. do you know uh, i think it's chapter 25 someone can check me on that um somebody will the back uh ver you know <laughs> verses back to back are um don't answer a fool according to his folly lest you be, you know, caught up in his foolishness. The very next verse is, answer a fool according to his folly so that he can be corrected from his ways. So, They're back to back. So which one do you do? Do you not, and, or do you do it? And, and this is, to me, this is the beauty of scripture. That's the point, is that it takes wisdom to know whether you should answer a fool or whether you should not answer a fool. So the, so the Bible contradicting itself is less about the Bible contradicting itself and more about the fact that it's giving you two instructions and saying, hey, use which one is proper during the time. I, I think so much of scripture in, in many ways, um, in the same way that tweetable can be over-reducing, I don't want to overly reduce here, but in many ways scripture is a collection of wisdom. And it's a collection of wisdom where whether you're talking about back-to-back -back verses or, you know, even in the early books of the Bible, um, God is the greatest God amongst all the other gods. And then you get a little bit later in the Old Testament and all of a sudden now God is the only God. Right. And so part of what I say is when you You just start, upset so many people that are listening to this right well, now. It's, it's in the damn book, you know? So like, here was the thing that drove me nuts. When people would tell me the Bible is clear, to me, that was immediately a signal that they had not read scripture. They've never read the Bible. They hadn't really nope. read through it seriously. Well, they, they read one, one scripture. Right. And, you know, they probably know a handful or maybe a dozen yeah. off the top of or their Or they were told by a pastor that the Bible is clear and let's, that the Bible is this, you know. Let's be very clear on this. Everything that anyone believes has been told that at some point in their life, whether from a book or from another person. Yeah. yeah. Your, your entire ideology, your framework of reality comes from teaching. It's received. It's received. How, yeah. What you believe, and the people are like, no, oh, I chose I, it. I believe the Bible yeah. because it's true. No, you believe the Bible because somebody told you yeah. it was true. The Bible doesn't, I mean, the Bible isn't true because the Bible says it's true. Yeah. Because somebody told you that. Now, to potentially, you know, nuance it just a touch and to avoid the binaries, like, there's there's also that room for a sense of limited agency, right? Mm -hmm. So there's there is that place of there are certain things that were given to me, and and that plays a much bigger role than we we are usually willing to give it. And yet, there's also a sense in which, um, you know, that we do like there are things that we read and then they resonate, right? And then that, that we do feel connection and ownership with. Right. And so it's it's always an interplay between between those two things. Right. But. But point being that um, I, I like to say when you're reading scripture, you're entering into a 2,000, you know, count the Old Testament, a 3,000 year old conversation mm -hmm. that a group of people have been having about their experiences of God. It's and very close to what I say. I, I mean, because I, I say that the Bible is a collection of books of people working out their relationship with God. Yeah. I mean, their entire life was so vastly different mm -hmm. than our life is oh, now. Oh, for sure. I mean, 
they all thought that the world not only was flat, but yeah. they didn't realize how big the Earth was. <laughs> right. Their entire Earth was about 200 square yeah. I mean, a, a circumference, about 200 miles. That uh -huh. was as far as they've ever walked yeah. or, you know, ridden a camel at that point. Yeah. That was the best they did. And it was good. Mm -hmm. Like, all their rules. I mean, I don't know if you know a lot about my story. I had a really huge, really huge faith crisis. Um, I heard a few of the early episodes. Yeah. Long-time I mean, listener, first-time guest. <laughs> I always wanted to say that on someone else's podcast. Okay, okay Bob and Tom show. <laughs> um, um, I... <laughs> The, I, I mean, I had a really, really uh, big faith crisis. I went from, like, Christian to, like, ardent atheist, like, yeah. overnight. And then I was like, okay, well, from, it's From not, one fundamentalist to another kind of fundamentalist, Well, I had the right? swing because, <laughs> like, the, the box that God lived in didn't work anymore. Mm, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the framework from which I was told forever that this is God, I mean, because... I was taught what God was. I, I didn't experience God. I experienced God within the frameworks of what I had been taught. Of course. And then when I started to look and ask denser questions about what was going on, um, that, that box fell apart. The framework fell apart. And yep. it no longer worked. Mm -hmm. And so then I had to abandon everything. And I went, bam, atheist. And then I was like, okay, that doesn't make any sense either. Yeah. There's definitely something more going on. And then I, I went to like nihilism. And I was yep, like, right. I was like, None of this matters because nothing exists beyond us. Yep. And then yep. I went to like solipsism and then like yep. pantheism of and course. pantheism. Yep. I like went to all these things and yeah. now I'm kind of... All these other boxes. <laughs> none of them really worked. And then sure. I realized well, all of them might work. But even more so, I'm not, I wouldn't say like I'm coming back. I would say I'm coming forward hmm. into a new understanding of what... Uh, the creator would be about I mean I mean so some people call God I still have stigmatism of uh, I, I of what that word means to me mm. God it carries baggage yeah. from what I used to so I, I have a hard time using that word like people are like is God real and I'm like which well, God okay first of all if, <laughs> if you needed to define so I would be an agnostic in that case I'd be like okay define your version of God sure. and then define your version of real and then define your version of experience like yeah. all of these things are arbitrary and we all make them up but even more so like I realize there's more to the story yeah than everything that I can see and hear and feel and touch and taste like there's more going on here like I'm more than the sum of my parts and I know that I have a, I have a, I believe I have something of what somebody would call a soul I believe that mm -hmm. and that's beyond the parts of me that's beyond the physical structure right. of my interconnectedness yeah so if so now I'm in the process of coming forward to what that could be. Yeah. In a sense I love this background music. It's, it's great. It's perfect for this. <laughs> you have to let it linger. It's, it's like so perfect. <laughs> um, I love but it. it's it's I, I'm in this I'm in this process, which is why I love this conversation with you because there's very few people that have been in this in this space that could share these type of conversations with me. Um, in this capacity that understands that this yeah. is not like if I were to just read the Bible straight up I would not uh, believe the same things that a, a standard Christian church believes in any capacity I would be right. like first of all why is God killing so many people as uh, second of all why is he always mm -hmm. contradicting if God wrote this and I, and I wouldn't even think God wrote the Bible I'd be like this is like 60 different authors yep. and they're all coming together and they're all kind of off yep. and they're all kind of weird and then you have this weird 
crazy book at the end of Revelations, although yeah. Ecclesiastes, dope ass book. That's where I was going to go and talking about Love Proverbs. Love that book. Right? Yeah. So, so you, have, so, you have the foil to Proverbs as Ecclesiastes. Oh my But we gosh. don't talk about Ecclesiastes Never. in a lot of church spaces because it's not constructive enough. No. Right? Yeah, it's not and, and like so. I'm I'm at this weird junction, which is why I love this conversation so much because I know that what I what I was taught is it, it, that's not it. Yeah, and I'm not. I don't know what it is, but I know that there's something more. So so, Mark, let me let me pull a few threads together all yeah. together in this because this has to do with why you and I. This is not our first conversation that we've oh, had no. about these things. Oh no! Um, why you and I've gravitated together, and it ties into a little bit of my story and why I'm now a CrossFit coach, barista, server, bartender instead of a pastor. Yeah. So y- um, you so you became a pastor. Yeah. So let me let me tell me that story. let me tie the threads, but I will tell that story. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Tie the threads. So, tie, tie, tie all of them. Yes. All the all the things. So. Um, because these are the conversations that I love. And and I think this is part of the faith journey. So when you say, like, I was given a box and that this was the box about how God, well, of course you were, because everyone is given a box. Yeah. Every kid needs a box because kids need fences so that they know the safe place to play, right? If there's a sure. wide open field, kids stay close to the school. If you put a fence around the space, they play in the whole space, right? right? That's how they play. That's how we are developmentally. We are given a box. What you're describing as far as like you were given a box and the box doesn't work anymore, to me, like that is not a like weird, like leaving the church against Christianity. Like this is the faith journey. We, we grow through the box to then want to have the space to discover and to continue to learn and grow. The challenge is the church is not a space right now that always allows for that. Mm. The church is about giving boxes. Yeah. And if you try to break out of that, that's one of my deep lamentations. There's a good churchy word. Um, what I lament <laughs> about the church, what, what I'll talk like a normal person, what, what makes me sad and a little pissed and lament. just grieve for sure is um, that the church only deals with, it seems like, this early stage of faith. And then, and, and to me, like, as I have studied, as I've, you know, been trained within the, the greater Christian tradition through seminary and, and understanding that the centuries of this faith tradition that has come before us, that there is room for this process within the church when you talk about it in a capital C mm. sense and yet our local churches don't provide for that. And so what, what, what that meant for me, Mark, is that I had the best conversations with people about spiritual things at the gym and at the bar, mm. right? Because a lot of the people in the church, um, I got to be careful how I say this because well, I don't be careful. Be honest. Well, but I want to honor the people who I pastored. <laughs> fair. Um, fair. Because I, I want to speak truthfully. That's that's what I'm trying to say here. Um, I, there are many people. I mean, this is just a lot of us who were raised in church spaces who are, you know, the good church people. Yeah. Is that we've been formed in such a way that, that we don't go in those directions because that's unsafe. That would take oh, yeah. them out of the box. And so the, the kind of deep well places, the deep questions, the doubts and unknowing and wrestling and grappling that I loved going into and the weaving of stories and all of that, a lot of people didn't want to go there. Yeah. Um, and quite frankly, when you wanted to be able to, um, you know, 
be mission driven and like, you know, go toward the future and, and quite frankly, be able to fundraise toward those things, yeah. not out of a sense of greed. I wasn't making tons of money off of this. No. Um, but it, it, you know, uh, it's a much better fundraising slogan when you're able to come with like a very solid certain sense with the box, right? Yeah. So anyways, all of that, tying all those threads together, like I, I felt like I wasn't able to be myself. And so I, I needed space. I needed to step away. Right now I, I have a very interesting sense of a relationship with church. Um, I mean, some of it. Do you go to church right now? Not right now. It's it's been it hasn't been three months. So <laughs> some of it is like fresh. just enjoying the space. Quite frankly, July I was busy all month. I didn't yeah. even have a chance to go to church until August, and it was only a couple weeks in August. I've only had like three opportunities to go to church just because of busyness and all of that. But even then, um, you know, I'm not ready. And even there's part of me that like, where would I go? <laughs> um, what do you mean ready? Hmm. What what? While you're thinking about that, hold on. Yeah. Because I want to speak real quick to what you were saying. Yeah. The, the church uh, giving the people in the pews the teat, and it's all milk mm. and no potatoes. Mm. And uh, it's it's really interesting. Interesting, interesting well, biblical metaphor there. <laughs> <laughs> well, the the, the bosom. <laughs> well, the, the Paul talks about like, oh, you all you want is milk. I, I'm trying to give you meat. You well, know? well, see, and the, the, that's the thing. I lived my entire life with my entire framework ideology was one thing. Hmm. You must believe what I believe in order to go where I am going to go in the future at some point to a different place other than here. So I need to sell you a Jesus life insurance policy that's in order bad in order to get there somewhere yeah. else and in the meantime you the ubiquitous you is suffering in a very real hell and i just sold you a jesus life insurance yeah. and you go home and your life is no different and now you have a disdain for the church and so like this was my entire goal yeah. can i check off another jesus life insurance that i right. sold so i can sleep better yeah. at night and then i started reading the actual scripture how about that and what, like the the twelve different times that Jesus brought salvation mm-hmm. among people, one being like their friends lowered a sick man through a roof, and Jesus said, because of their faith, their faith. Oh, you, it's my favorite part of that story. You are healed. So oh, I love the, it. Well, he goes not only healed. He goes because of their faith, salvation has come to your, your house. Your house. So not only him, but his entire family yeah. was saved. It's almost like they because, weren't Americans, Mark. <laughs> because <laughs> of their. faith. Friends, yeah, and then I mean, and then yeah. in, and then in Hebrews it talks about women will be saved through childbirth. It's like all of these things are culmin- like they they culminate together yeah. into this giant soup of no one said a prayer to get to heaven, yeah, and everyone was more interested right. in being saved from the hell that they were living in yeah. now, and all of a sudden my frameworks crumbled, the yeah. teat was pulled from my mouth, and all of a sudden I'm like. This is why the church doesn't do this because I, I don't need the church right now. I need mm. I need to find the people that are living in a hell and show them that they are loved. Mm. And I don't need Come on. I don't need to sit in a pew and give them my money to do that. Yeah. But the frameworks of the church would fall apart if they knew that. If the well, if the people knew that. And the pastors I think know that, at least the good ones do. So they keep feeding the milk because they don't want the children to grow up. Yes and. Yes and. Um, some of that is true. Having having worked as a pastor, they didn't want they didn't want more than milk from me. 
Well, now some have, of that's because some pastors to, train them on have, milk. You have to chew. Yeah. And that's scary. Yeah. If you've never consumed Whole Foods before, yeah. right? <laughs> by the way, great store. If you've never consumed, <laughs> if you never consumed, <laughs> me undies. Um, <laughs> I, I'm so random. Um, if you've never eaten a bite of steak or potatoes or meat, right. and you've only had milk your whole life, yeah. you don't even know what to do with it. Right. Oh, there's a, there's a major like, so the, the, the problems that I ran into as a pastor and the frustrations that I had, I was deeply aware of the fact that um, I'm part of the profession that created these problems. Yeah. You know, so like I deeply conflicted about like, oh, this is so hard and frustrating and difficult. And yet it's like, but I am, I am part of the group of people that is part of the problem. Yeah. And so, okay, do you stay and try to be this agent of change and work within this? But you know, God bless those people who are called to like be part of systems that are toxic and unhealthy. And even though they know that and they want to stick in there to try to make it a better, um, but that, that has a cost. Um, and what's the cost typically? Oh my gosh. It, well, it, you know, it depends on each unique situation for me. What did it cost you? Cause I know what it costed peace. me. It costed me peace. Um, you know, there were moments where I was on stage right at the end, the tail end of my yeah. uh, faith journey. So I was in the church for like 30 years. Just, yeah. I don't know if you knew that. It's like literally from the day I was born until I was uh, uh, 31, 31 with my deconstruction. Ah, um, I'm 31. Yeah, no, welcome. Cool. Welcome, my, my, my good friend. Yes. Um, Can I be your disciple? Um, I'll follow I was, after you. <laughs> I was leading people in worship hmm. as an atheist. Okay. Praying at Prayers the end of a... Uh, to a God. Uh, to a God that I didn't believe yeah. in and telling people to come forward for prayer in my brain like at the moment, knowing that it was a figment of their imagination. Yeah. But I watched, see, here's the other side of that coin is for me, it was a fairy tale at that moment. It was just like all the whole Bible, everything yeah. was just a fairy tale. But I just watched this fairy tale heal broken marriages <laughs> and I watched this I watched people with uh, addictions to right. um, horrible things come out of addictions because of the fairy tale so I lived right. in this weird space where I didn't believe it but it works factual oh. I didn't believe the factually yeah. but I, I was okay with the fairy tale mm. because it made people better yeah. and so now I'm kind of on the other side of that coin saying well maybe this isn't a fairy tale maybe this is a historical journey of people telling working out their relationship with god yeah and encouraging us to do the same yeah figure out what all this is about why are we here are we here to just get a life insurance policy yeah, or are no. we here to i i ask myself I, i've said this a million times i ask myself three questions when i go to bed now so i used to pray mm. don't anymore uh, i ask myself three questions I, by the way it was the same damn prayer Every night, it was like twelve words. Mm. Every single night for thirty years. Um, Can I ask what that prayer was? Uh, Do you remember it? Yeah, it was. Uh, and, and I, re the last person I prayed this with was my ex-wife because okay. I went through the faith deconstruction with her. Wow. And it was something along the lines of, uh, like, dear God, thank you for this day. Please watch over and protect us as we sleep. Give us good dreams and good peace. Cast all demons out in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm. That was the entire dream every single night yeah. for my entire life, and now. Before I go to bed, I meditate and I say, I ask myself three questions. Instead, I say, yeah. is this world a better place today because I was in it? Am I a better person today than I was yesterday? Mm. And did I show love and grace where it wasn't expected? Yeah. 
those three questions. And really, it's all revolving around the third question. Yeah. Did I show love and grace where it wasn't expected? Yeah. And that my life revolves around now, which yeah. is almost more Christian than just making sure that the Jesus vending machine, I put a prayer yeah. in, I get a prayer out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I put my two cent prayer in and, you know, a can pops out and ooh, now I'm safe while right. I sleep. Right. This isn't, that wasn't what it was meant to be. Right. Yeah. Wow. So I, thanks for sharing what that prayer was and all that. I, <laughs> cause I, like, I, I'm curious about that because there's the whole, like, what we repeat is what shapes our world. And, and what we repeat Ooh, yeah. ends up being the thing that we like, that matters most to us, that we believe yeah, that ends up shaping our whole reality, right? That's called the availability cascade, just in okay, science. Great. Keep going. Science. Um, so, uh, yeah, like, so I'm always curious about, like, you know, what people repeated, especially those who've, like, they don't repeat that anymore, you know, mm -hmm. like, and why that is. And um, I, I'm curious. I've heard a lot of people in their journey talk about, like, the thing they repeated every night was, like, God, please save me from my sins. Like, they felt like they had to continually oh, weekly for seek me. their salvation. That was weekly for me. That was just Sunday. Was it, like, that, scrupulosity is, like, the religious oh, OCD? Yeah. Well, of, like, I, mean, I need to keep, keep coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back and coming back to, like, but, well, it was I need just, to be saved again. It was just again. from, you know, porn and masturbation. Of I course. Mean, that, that's really, yeah. I mean, I, the amount of times that, that Jesus saved me from... My, my all, own my all, own hand. All of a sudden, Mark is <laughs> talking quieter into the microphone because we're in public, and he can't just yell this out loud. Because we're talking. Jesus saved me from masturbation. We're talking about porn. I don't struggle with masturbation anymore. Ah, ha, 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 ha. That's like a dirty dad joke all rolled in one. It's <laughs> like the fifth time I've told this joke on this podcast. Of course. People I'm are pretty sure I've heard rolling that. their eyes. Yes, that is, that's me. I am people, Mark. Oh, yeah, you. <laughs> You're on the other side of the microphone. Oh now. my gosh! Um, You're right. Goodness. What shoot, we repeat. Shoot, thought. Um, well, so what we repeat creates the reality that we have. And so, so like I get really curious about what are the things that people come back to again and again and again. And so like, as you talk about like, you know, was I was I loving? Was I you know was the world a better place because of me? I mean, these become really powerful reflective questions that demonstrate like a a desire to participate in the goodness of the world and to contribute yeah. to that and and how those are the really important things. Um, I do have an observation, is that in those questions you are the subject of the sentence mm -hmm. in every on single all three. one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, so, I am the center of my own world as is everybody. And for the longest time, I was trying to make it not about me and about So you're the center else. of your world. Are you Absolutely. the center of the world? No, no, of, of the world that I'm currently living in. Yeah. Yeah, of my, own, of my own universe, absolutely. Yeah. This is where it starts. If I don't start with me, I don't know where to go. Sure. Well, and certainly things start with us in terms of our experience. When I, when I reframed my entire life to start with me, that was when mm. I started to work on me. Sure. Yeah. Because I spent 31 years trying to save the world so, yeah. and living in a jail cell of myself. Well, and not only that, but there's a harmful trope within a lot of American Christianity that says, like, to think about yourself is bad. Right. E even you saying like, that to me, I, like, cringed for a second, but I'm oh. like, no. But, but see, but I was like, no, it, it, my, the center of my world is me, but not in a bad way. Yeah. It, the center of my world is me because I've worked on me for huh. so long that if I don't, if I don't love myself, how can I start to love other people? Oh, I love if you, that. If you, if, if, I mean, if you go back to the scripture, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, but if you don't love yourself right you cannot love your neighbor yeah and so I had to start by recentering myself if I am off-center I'll cast mm -hmm. a shadow 
for sure. And I don't want to cast a shadow. I want to center myself. Mm -hmm. So I center me with letting myself be the center of my own world. And that sounds so egotistical, but take the ego out of that statement. And when you start with yourself, you can then move in in so much authenticity yeah. into loving for others. Sure. And for so sure. that's what that well, means. Well, St. Augustine, you know, God help, allow me to know myself so that I can know thee. You yeah. know, like self-knowledge is the doorway to have knowledge of God. Absolutely. So that that 100% is really important. I'm, I'm really glad that you said all of that because that helps me, I mean, just even for for you to reflect back how you heard my question. <laughs> yeah. Because that wasn't how I meant it. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so so to say that I, like, noticed, <gasps> I noticed that you were object of the sentence wasn't like, Mark, you damn e- egotistical, <laughs> you know, like the sin of, you know, self-indulgence, blah, 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 you know, and, and um, it was more of the like, there's a lot riding on you. Yeah. That's a lot of like, you better do it right. <laughs> you know, I, what I, happens if the answer is no? I feel such a strong commission to use a biblical world. Sure. I, I, I feel commissioned to show love and grace so much where it's not expected. Yeah. So when I ask myself the question, I'm, I'm in a sense challenging myself and commissioning myself. Yeah. And if I didn't that day, then I need to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I mean, I am here for one purpose. I am on this planet for one purpose, and I don't know what that is. Yeah. It, well, maybe I do know what it is. But if for the entire purpose of me trying to figure out what that is, if I can just show love and grace the entire way, mm. where people don't expect it. Where, where people expect it, sure, that's fine, that's easy, but when they yeah. don't expect it, where they don't, when they don't deserve it, sure, that's where I wanna show up. That's, what, that's yeah. where I wanna show up religiously (laughs) (laughs) there you go nice nice well done relentlessly sure yeah consistently yes yeah like who are you when you're not expected to be that person yeah let me ask this question um do you ever reflect on when you've received love or grace i (laughs) you know some of my story Mm. receiving love is the hardest thing for me to do yeah it's it's easy for me to love someone especially like in a relationship when they start to get really close it's easy for me to love you i love you all day long that's easy to say but to let you love me Mm. is a whole nother conversation because that requires vulnerability ah there it is there's the word and as an eight especially vulnerability is a very dangerous place to be but i mean it is not it's for many other people too it's not just eights but um if i let you love me then i'm also Mm. letting you hurt me Mm. and you could you you open up the possibility of being hurt well love and pain are 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 intrinsic dance partners Mm. if you love me then you will hurt me at some point whether you Mm. leave whether you stay whether you die you will hurt me. And that's, mm. but that like the pain isn't to be avoided. Yeah. That's a, that's a fool's errand. That right. is, that is a bad goal of life. If you avoid pain, <laughs> you avoid love. Yeah. And a lot of people do that Yeah. because it's too hard. Yeah. And I'm and still in the process yeah. of letting myself be loved mm. because that is, that, that is my lifelong lesson for that's, me. That's the greatest risk. Yep. I'm, I am enough to be loved. Mm. Um, and I will also allow you mm. to love. Yeah. Well, and, and knowing your story, which is the story of a lot of people growing up in the church is growing up in this, you are bad. 
thinking about yourself as bad and you need to just less of me, more of God, just all, all that kind mm-hmm. of thing. Um, I'm filthy. Which, which then, you know, made, you know, made you feel, made many feel like not worthy of love. Um, and so it's interesting, um, I'm putting on my pastor hat. Not that I'm trying to take a weird like stance <laughs> over you or like, you no, know, no, like, no. but, but it's the, you know, like a lot of times it's, it's, you do the work of like listening to someone's story and maybe the thing that they need right now, what is the thing that they need right now? And the thing that you needed for a long time and, and perhaps are still walking in is the, um, I've been told I can't think about myself and can't like learn through my own experiences. Yeah. And so to allow myself to be a person and to be yeah. a self, like that is really, really important. Yeah. Um, but then there's this other piece around you're the giver of love. Mm. You are the one who makes the world better. You're the one who goes out and does all of those things. Yeah. What does it look like to receive that? Oh, I don't know yet. And, still working on and of course that, I mean, it, it comes from that same story, ironically. But it's it's the journey, right? And maybe I should ask a fourth question, sure. and that is, did I receive the love that was given to me mm. today? Yeah, you know, the, because that's um, that's a probably a harder question for me to answer. For sure, can I be a real nerdy church history pastory? Um, there's a great tradition called the Examine, and it's from the Ignatian spiritual tradition. Um, uh, Saint Ignatius of Loyola was a super cool Catholic who uh, had powerful experiences with God, and you know, even though part of the Catholic uh, Church, um, kind of a, a journey of spiritual formation and discernment that was very imaginative, uh, is very reflective. Um, the Examine is it's E X A M E N. You can Google it. Um, and it involves, you can do this for, from a day or from a year or a, you know, a week or like any period of time where you reflect on that day. And it usually has a certain set of questions, something along the, the lines of, when did I feel closest to God today? When did I feel furthest from God today? And as I reflect on those things, how do I sense God connecting with me in this moment? Now, I, in saying this, I recognize like God is the trigger word. And so maybe there'd be a recasting of this you, into for, your experience. Well, see, for me, and I, I, I live in a strange space. I live in a strange space where um, I believe every part of me God exists in. Mm. Um, he lives in the space between. Yeah. Um, is this panentheism? If we're going to go with all of our nerdy <laughs> panentheism? Um, kind, kind of, kind of. But um, no, I wouldn't even put this into a belief system. I would, sure. say, some, I would say something along the lines of, if you believe that God is um, omnipresent, mm. which is one of the three things that God claims to be um, from God, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> um, I, it's more scientific for me than that. Yeah. Um, I think of the entire universe, everything. Um, if you were to look at, so like, you know, the classic element symbol with like the, the protons in the center and then mm-hmm. the, the two orbits. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a uh, beryllium, I believe. Okay. Um, I believe there's three orbits. Um, that's the third element on the chart. Sure. Um, I'm going to believe you, whatever you say. Sure. So, <laughs> um, it is tip- it's typically like the protons are in the center and then you have like these orbits that are just like right on the outside uh-huh. with the electrons right there. Yeah. That is nowhere near to scale of what an actual atom looks like. Um, If you you were to put put it into scale, it's more like if you were to stand at the center of like a professional baseball stadium and you have like a tic-tac in your hand, Mm -hmm. um, 
that would be the size of the nucleus, or, uh, or not the nucleus, uh, that, that would be the size of uh, the, the protons mm -hmm. and the neutrons yeah. kind of together in the center of that uh, atom, in the center of that element. Mm -hmm. um, and then way outside, not even in the parking lot, but yeah. 10 blocks away, about a mile or two away, you have the electrons, and the electrons are so small that you can't even see them yeah. with your naked eye. Yeah. That is that is the size of an element, uh, of an atom, yeah. of what's going on. Right. 99.99999% of that atom is empty Open space. space. And yeah. people are like, well, what's in the space? Is air? No, air is atoms. There's nothing. Yeah. So me and you and the wind that we feel and these microphones and the yeah. wood that we're sitting on, it's all empty space. 99.99%. Right. The entire universe wild. is 99 Point nine repeating percent empty space so much so that if you were to collapse take all the empty space in the entire universe and just remove it you could fit everything not the earth not the sun this, our milky way the entire universe would fit in a sugar cube oh that's wild that is how much empty space exists in this universe wow. we are energy Everything that is going on between me and you is an interaction of energy. I would agree. There's I mean, a lot of energy here, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> and this is scientific. Yeah. Like, so if you were to say that God is omnipresent, mm. he lives in the space between. Mm. Every, every little interaction and molecule and atom that is bouncing and connecting and ionic bonds yeah. and covalent bonds and all of these things, like we, we I'm not just sulfur and phosphorus and oxygen nitrogen and carbon and hydrogen i'm i'm the, the energy that holds those together and then i'm more than that and then what about all the spaces between mm -hmm. and so when i think of god i think of the omnipresent nature of who god is mm -hmm. living in between every breath i take yeah i'm breathing in god yeah and not only that god lives in the lungs mm -hmm. that take the air in mm -hmm. and push the air out yeah. and in the beer that i'm drinking and this chair that I'm sitting on. So yeah. the old the old parable that says, "Lift a stone and you and you will find me." Uh, split a piece of wood and I am there. Lift a stone and you will find me. Yeah. That is God saying, "You you you cannot neither depth nor light nor mm -hmm. angels nor demons can separate you from the love of God." Like yeah. this is why because you are the essence. Where can I of go God. from your spirit if I? Go up and that's, on the wings of the dawn. So, you're there. So, so when you say how, like, how did how did God show up for you today? I can't remember exactly what your question. I, I would say me. It was it was when did you feel closest? When, when did so, I? So maybe maybe the, I can't. The, I can't go anywhere. Well, how I about can't well, do how about anything. this? So not not in a um, not in a are you connected with God right. or disconnected because you can't be. But it, it's a question of awareness. Right. So and, when were you aware? of this connection to right. a life-giving force that is everywhere and in all things. See, and, and then I take a breath and realize that the very breath I'm taking, yeah. I can't escape that. Of course. And that's where I exist. Yeah. So in the awareness is the question. And yeah. I, I really like that question. So it's where did you feel closest? Where did you feel furthest away? Which could be, you know, and the openness of this practice is my feeling closest can be anything from 
Man, when I killed it in that work presentation today, I just felt fully alive. It was awesome. I prepared. It went how I wanted, and it was just, it was good. And like, I felt like that, like the, the, the truly, like fully alive. That was a moment. It could be a moment when um, I ate a really good burger and just like, <laughs> oh my gosh, like it was just incredible. Or, it, it, or it could be drinking a beer, sitting on a picnic table. It could be drinking a, a beer, table. sitting on a picnic table, talking about the things that really matter. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's so open. It could be so. It could be things that I do. It could be things that happen around me. Yeah. It could be witnessing a, a parent with their child in a in a nice tender moment that yeah. I like connected with something of life. Yeah. Um, there, there's just an openness to what it could be, and and in the same on the where did you feel furthest? When was a moment you felt most disconnected? Whether that's from God or from you know, a, a sense of life-giving force. Uh, it could be, I felt really disconnected when I felt disconnected with my spouse when we had that that spat. Or it could be, um, you know, when I was freaking pissed off at the guy who cut me off when I was like late on my way and I and I was angry at myself because I didn't leave with enough time. I've never I, felt further from God than when I'm driving yeah, in my car. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and you know, the, the, this Ignatian oh practice God. is to examine like, so what's going on in that moment? So like when I'm shitting all over myself of like, oh, I left late again. I, I meant to leave 10 minutes ago and I got sucked into my phone and now I'm going to be late to work and now I'm driving and the guys cut me off and no one will get out of my way and like peel back the layers of the onion and like what is going on in that moment yeah. am I feeling like I'm not enough yeah. am I feeling like you know like what is happening what is that yeah. you know at play there um, it could be you know this could be a moment where I felt most distant when I lost control and said the thing that really hurt the person like you know it, it and and there's a lot of triggering shit around this for a lot of people raising the church where it was a lot of guilt around like you you know we're gonna find your sin and you got to remember your sin yeah and so I, I i'm sensitive to that and yet like that is a part of being human is to reflect on the places in which we've gotten it wrong and to recognize that we felt distant and so the openness of this practice is to say you reflect on the day you invite god into that you, you invite whatever presence whatever sense of like life and love and mercy i like the words of you know did i give love and mercy in this day invite love and mercy in that moment and think where is love and mercy interacting with me as I reflect on this day? And then is there a response that comes out of me? Do I respond to the places where I felt most fully alive by saying gratitude? Oh, thank you so much. I just thank you for this day. That was such a gift. Thank you. Thank you for the fact that sex freaking rocks, you know, whatever it is. It you know? really, like, really does. Whatever the hell it is to say, you know, does it lead to gratitude? Does it lead to a reflection to say, I want more of that in my life? Maybe there's something you haven't had a whole lot of. And then all of a sudden there's this powerful moment and you're like, I, I want the chance to be able to have these kinds of conversations. Or I, I want to do this kind of work. And it, it's a reflection that can then lead you forward. It could be a reflection on the, so the, technical term being consolations and desolations consolation when you felt close desolation when you felt distant yeah. the desolations become invitations to think well is there you know is there something that I need to release is there do I need to ask 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 for forgiveness and and to find reconciliation is it like I reflect on that and say you know what I need to apologize to my friend are you asking for forgiveness from a God or for yourself hmm does God need your your forgiving state 
or I, are, or is it, I know is it the reconciliation within yourself? That's that what it is. For? And I would, I would say it's, it's in an effort of seeking reconciliation. And, and again, self-knowledge, self-knowledge is knowledge of God in many ways. Sure. And, and then, and, and in the sense of like, I realize that I, you know, whatever it is that I might've blown or wish I would have done better or whatever else, there is a separation of self that can occur, especially when we blindly just like go on and try to avoid it. Right. So that reconciliation of self of like, a lot of times it's, it's interacted with guilt and shame, right? Yeah. And they, um, they're different. Um, but unfortunately our early church experiences in many ways, like taught us that they came together. Um, so we think facing that is going to be facing all the things and I am shit. I am awful yep. rather than saying, you know, can we actually go to that place and say, you know, I said, I, I said a really hurtful thing. Um, and, and I, that's not who I want to be. I'm not proud of that. And I need to learn to find reconciliation and forgiveness within myself. In, in many ways, I think that is the process of connecting with God, with a, with a, you know, the creator of life, with the spirit, with, you know, Christ, whatever, whatever language I'm using all the Christian language. The architect. It, but, <laughs> <laughs> nice. You know, That's... but, but like, you know, the, the empty space, the, the ever present, you know, yeah. stuff to, to reconnect with that and with myself to say, this isn't who I want to be. And I want to do something. So like, well that, well, that speaks, it speaks, when you say that exact thing, that it speaks right to me. Because when I'm asking for forgiveness, I'm not seeking some God that is smiting me. Yeah. I am asking forgiveness of myself because I didn't act, and that's not who I am. Yeah. And I need to forgive myself for acting out of. Right. And then there's that whole, turn. can you, can you give yourself compassion in that moment? That is a whole nother question. Well, it's, don't but it's, know. but it's deeply connected to the, can you receive, can you receive love? People? Can you receive your own forgiveness? Mm, powerful. That's, I mean, I don't know if I ever forgave myself mm. my entire Christian life. I was just hoping wow. God would, Oh wow! I was hoping God would because I couldn't, which is why I always lived in a state wow. of, you know, shame. So you never received it. No, why would I? Oh, man. I, I don't need to. God did. Uh, I never forgave myself because I was hoping God would. Well, and especially, I'm going to get kind of more technical and, and theological. Like, when the imagination of the language is like forgiveness is a state, yeah. it is a legal decree. You know, it's the whole God is the judge. And, and like, you appear before the, the great, you know, the great judge and are the sins on your record. So you have a state of innocent or guilty in it. In yeah. it it says nothing about like what you actually receive. Um, it's just a decree that's like made over your life. Um, images are powerful, man. Like the yeah. stories that we tell and and they shape us in so many ways. So so yeah, this angry, spiteful God, you have to appease this God by like yeah. making sure that you say the right prayer. What I like to say at this point is like, so many depictions of God are just like super freaking petty. Like, <laughs> like if your God sounds like uh, and, and like less than a teenager that's like it's like well you didn't say it the right way so or, I'm not gonna forgive you or what about the loopholes yeah like God's like ah oh, you had anal sex oh <laughs> dang yeah, it right right loophole you got me oh yeah you got me it's so, not premarital sex so, you got me so like it's you know P and the V man you know um, like seriously she's <laughs> yeah so whether it's, whether it's loopholes I mean and then that's just the crazy stuff that we do but but it, you know it's, I call that the poop hole loophole like, oh there it is there it is wow you said that on a microphone um, <laughs> <laughs> all things are welcome on the market yes, everything belongs um, 
No, it. If if your picture of God is pettier than you are, yeah. you need a new God. You know, like God is more mature than like the immature friend that you have that's super petty. Yeah. You know, and and there's just. I think there there was a moment when I I can't remember when this happened, but I, I recognized that like the way that people, whether it was like literally in my church or just in in broader Christian culture, the way that they were talking about God, God was super petty, yeah. and I was just like, I don't believe in that God. No. Like, God is a little bit, at least a little bit more emotionally mature than I am. <laughs> you know. <laughs> um, well, he created you. <laughs> Yeah. So he has to be smarter. Yeah. And probably more emo- emotionally mature. Maybe. Probably. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's a good bet. <laughs> safe safe you bet. Know, I, I, think, I think the whole reason why the idea of asking for forgiveness exists is not so you can get in a right standing with God. I think God is calling you to get in a right standing with yourself. Because if mm. you forgive yourself, that, that's where real change begins. There's, because, a great, there's a great story about this. There's a father who had two sons. I think I I feel like the the prodigal son story is so, one of the best. Hold on, hold that yeah, thought. Yeah, go. Um, the reason why I talk about forgiveness, yeah, like, in, yeah, yeah. like this in this sense, is uh, Rob Bell. Oh, you're such a liberal. Oh man, you, you're Love. super. Love heathen. old 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 Rob, <laughs> Robbie Robert Bell. Um, man, he he came out with a, a, a series. Maybe we should do a whole episode on forgiveness. By the way, I think that'd be really Ooh. really good. Um, he came out uh, and he said, uh, "Forgiveness is setting somebody free, mm. and then realizing that person is you." Mm. And that's what all mm. of this is about. It's not about appeasing a god. It's about right. forgiving yourself for not being who you thought you were. Yeah, I thought I was this and I acted differently well and and, and it, I need to forgive myself again for I would say it's about receiving something from another person or from yeah. another uh, from a god uh, or from yourself or fr- well it could be from yourself <laughs> that's what's hard for me yeah that's yeah, why yeah. I say that because that's so, hard for me like can, when can I, I go s- with my prodigal son yeah angle? yeah I'd, so that my, story by the way is one of my favorites we'll talk we'll do a whole that's episode a whole on episode that. on that because there's so episode. many angles to go into but um, my favorite detail in the story is that the son, when he's in the pig pen, he comes to his senses and he says, my father's servants eat better than this, Yeah. but I can't go home as a son anymore because I screwed that up. So I will tell my father, father, I have sinned against you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. So put me in the fields and I will be like one of your hired hands, you know, if you'll be willing to do that. And so he walks home, he's rehearsed his speech. And then he gets to, you know, he's like a mile off, the father sees him coming, and the father sprints out to him, runs to him, and like embraces him in a hug. And the son says his speech that he rehearsed. He said, Father, I have sinned against you and your household. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father interrupts him and doesn't even respond to the speech. No. My favorite part is he ignores the fucking speech. <laughs> he doesn't it's even so acknowledge great. it. He just turns and says, no, no, no. You, servant, come and, and kill the fatted calf and yeah. get a ring and get a robe around this guy because my son has returned home. And there's a whole sermon, in fact, I've preached this sermon exactly, um, around what's the speech that you have been preparing for God? or for anyone else. Yeah. What's the speech? 
I'm no longer worthy to be blank. Yeah. That God is literally ignoring because what he's saying is, you are my son and you have come home. It's a great pastor I like to listen to called, uh, his name is Rich Velotis. And and one of the things he says about that story is, um, you know, God doesn't care about, you know, are you bringing the right things? Are you doing that? Like the father was just happy that he was home. God just wants you home. Just come home. Like that's, that's what coming to find forgiveness is. Just come home. See, and that, that for me, the home is who I know I am. Mm. And so when he's coming back to that, he has this big forgiveness speech. But the reason he has the speech is because he's realized he's not who he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And so the speech was a representation of the change that had already taken place. And so when his father's like, you're home, he was saying, huh. you've already made, you've already done the work. But I don't, he, but I don't he hadn't even finished need, the work. I, I, but when's the work finished? Well, of course. It, like he, the journey is, is, is the, I mean, that's, that's everything. And For so the sake of the story though, that son. home to who he was. Well, and but that, no, he wasn't. The son didn't think he was coming to home to who he was. The father. Yeah. See, that. But that's that's my whole point. Yeah. He didn't see it. Yeah. His his father saw it. Yeah. And his father was like, "Oh, you're my son. Of course you are. Yeah. You know, like, come come and 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 be who you are. Yeah. You don't have to be this person that you think you are. Mm-hmm. Come be this person that you actually are. Yeah." And so the forgiveness speech was, is ridiculous. It's, mm-hmm. it's, and that's how I feel like the forgiveness speech is, is for me. Mm. And w- when I say it, I don't need to get into a right standing. It's, it's to remind me that, that I'm like, oh, shoot, I'm not who I want to be. Mm. I'm not. I'm sitting in a pig pen. That's not who I want to be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to be that person. Mm-hmm. And that's, the change has already began. The change has already happened. So the speech is... It's already started. Yeah. Because well, I think there, again, it, it, one of the big pieces well, of that story is that he had that moment in the pig pen, but there was another moment on his journey that did involve... Cause, because the pig pen only taught him, I don't want to be here, but he yeah. still had the, the belief of like, but I don't belong. I don't truly belong back yeah. at my father's house. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's... I mean, and that's... So, <laughs> so there's that... That's you know, worth... <laughs> that's worth. That's yeah. can you receive? I mean, that's all that stuff. Yeah. Right. That speaks to me. Yeah. Every day of my life. So I. So the I don't want to be part of the pig pen, but can I actually go back, or do I need to, you know, or do I need to, you know, think that I'm just gonna be the servant? Yeah. And and there's another big part of the story that I always hold on to. Um, he didn't have to do anything. Mm. That's the thing that I always got stuck on was mm-hmm. I feel like I have to do something in order to get something. I feel like I have to. Mm. How does that play with the questions that you ask yourself? At night? <laughs> um, no, no, no. I, aside um, from feeling worth. Oh, okay. um, to From like, especially my entire religious life, I always thought I had to do a thing in order to get into heaven. I had to do a mm. thing in order to feel love, you know, to, to receive God's forgiveness. I yeah. had to do something. Yeah. And the entire story was like, the, the father was like, I don't care. Your speech is, is worthless to yeah. me. Come and just be who you, you are. I love you. Yeah, I'm just, so glad you're home. Why do you even think that way? You're ridiculous. Are you hungry? Yeah. It's, so yeah. All, all of those things mm. um, 
play into who I am as a person. That yeah. that story I've always held really close. That's a so, so special then, story. For so me. again, pull threads, come back, because I didn't answer like most of your questions about my story in my life. We're gonna um, have to do round two. <laughs> but we're, we're um, an hour and ten like, minutes already. Are we? Yeah, I believe yeah. that. But like so for me, like this is the heart and the beauty of like of of the whole Christian tradition, and like this is the good stuff. This is this would be why I went into ministry. This would be I wanted to participate in these kinds of life giving conversations, experiences to like co journey along with people as they walk this road. Um, you know, to to be able to use a story, which to go with the whole biblical like is the Bible literal and real and blah blah blah. That story isn't real. No. But it is also incredibly like true. There's you know? all, there's more universal truth to that story yeah. than most real stories. Yeah. So that that's a whole other. When we talk about Bible <laughs> and all that jazz, right? You know, that's a whole other episode. Yeah. Um, we so we've, we've how many episodes are we at now? Like seven. Twelve. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but you know those were the things that I wanted to participate in, and part of what I found myself doing um, was navigating a lot of just challenging dynamics and politics. Um, you know, on my worst days, it felt like my job was to maintain the Christian social club. Mm. That Christians wanted to have a space where they could come together and be with other Christians and have a social club and hear someone stand up and say the things that they already think and so that they can be infirm, affirmed in the things that they believe and then they'll get some good music and feel really good and then go about yeah, their way. They've got, they've got their Christian product uh, that they came to get and they got their Quick shot up. of Jesus in their arm yep. and they're headed home. And I got tired of that. Um, now, it's fascinating because like, you know, so you ask me, what's my relationship with church? Have I gone to church? All that. And like, I still don't know. And it's going to be a long time to like figure out. And there's part of me that's like, but the idea and the beauty of church is like, it's so good. And yet, yeah, how do you do that without creating the Christian social club? How do you, how do you, and, and some of it is like to just organize a community requires a lot of administration. It requires a lot of like money. Well, it requires money, you know, it requires, you know, if you want to have a roof over your head, you yeah. know, you need to have oh, yeah. a building, you know, if oh, you yeah. want to be able to meet when it's snowing, you know, if you want to be able to meet in Michigan, you need a space to be able to do that, yeah, you know, you like, absolutely. So there's a lot of like important work that goes around there. But at what point does that like, you know, it's some of it is just like generally about institutions, right? Institutions are meant to support the work, like the really real life. Yeah. Um, but at some points, you know, institutions are about maintenance and about like maintaining and preserving things. Um, but at some point, a lot of institutions can slowly, subtly make the shift where it becomes about preserving and maintaining the institution. Oh, yeah. And then instead of the institution serving the life-giving things, all of a sudden the institution is asking all the other things to support and to yeah. maintain that thing. And yep. that is not just church. <laughs> that no. is that is so many different things. Yep. Um so, I mean, that, that became a challenge for me. And so let um, me ask you two questions. Great. And, and we'll, uh, we'll wrap up with this because okay. well, I mean, we can't we, do a two hour podcast. Not on, not on this one. No, no, no <laughs> I will. I, it wouldn't be two. It'd be like five. Uh, yeah. I, we have too many. We have too many. Like I want to wrap cool. up and then I want to do it two again. questions and I want to do it again. And two wanna, questions. Yes. Uh, what, what would you tell somebody that has completely deconstructed from their faith, whatever faith religion they had and have, they have a really bad disdain for religion as a whole like like what would you tell them if they were to come to you I, okay i don't mean this as a cop-out 
I don't know if I'd tell them anything. I think I'd do what we're doing right now where I took a podcast where you were going to interview me and have me tell my story and I just asked you a bunch of questions. Funny. And wanted to listen and learn because in many ways that deconstructing person, one, I want to be super curious about their life. Like, wow, tell me about that. What experience do you have? Oh, shit. I would probably want to <laughs> run away from that too. Funny you say that. I uh, second, Third podcast I did was with Matt Beal. Mm-hmm. I asked him the same question and he had exactly the same answer. Yeah. He goes, I think I would just sit with him. I, I, that, and that's the whole damn point. Like, um, it is, I, I would want to be with them. I'd want to learn. I'd want to get to know their story. Not from a like, okay, that, that can become triggering Christianese of like, get to know them so that you can figure out how to tell them about Jesus. You know, like <laughs> set up for your Jesus juke and, and, you know, win a soul. You know, I don't mean it like that, but just literally like get to know this person, love this person, just be with this person. Yeah. And um, I... <laughs> Even if your goal was evangelism, I think that would communicate the love of yeah. Jesus a whole lot better than anything that I would tell them. So mm. I wouldn't want to tell them anything unless they asked me a question. Mm. You know, if they asked me for input or what do I think or what do you know, whatever else, then I would come in with that. Um, but you just want to sit with them. But I'd want to sit with them. You know, and and depending on how, like, like our conversation today, I brought in Ignatian spirituality in this conversation. <laughs> you know, like super nerdy, super Christian could, you know, and and I'd have to read the room in that moment to be, sure. like, you know, I wouldn't just do that with some bro who comes up to me and is just like, I'm I'm an atheist and be like, you should know Saint Ignatius of Loyal, you know. <laughs> but context of our relationship, sure. context of other conversations we've had, mm-hmm. you know. I bring that in as like a, this is this really cool thing in the Christian tradition and something to think about and blah, blah, blah. You know, like that's how I would want to enter into that conversation. Also, whole podcast needs to be done on deconstruction, um, you know, because I, I don't know. I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about that. People talk about they are deconstructing, whereas my experience is like, this is happening to me. I am experiencing disorientation I'm experiencing deconstruction yes I'm I'm not deconstructing I am something is being ripped out from under me now I might have a I'm intentionally asking questions and that and I have a role to play but yeah. oh man some of it's the subject object of the sentence kind of thing yeah I mean yeah. I think that those those observations are important I mean it, scientifically religion lives uh, in the thalamus your belief system lives in the center of your brain. It's deep little walnut way at the center of your brain. Mm. That's where your identity lives. And a deep part of who you are, uh, your identity revolves around a lot like what you said before, mm. the things you repeat many, 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 many yep. times over yep. in your life. Availability cascade, it starts in the outside of your brain and works its way down to the walnut. Yep. And when you have a thought, it travels through your identity before it goes anywhere else. So it, it travels through a filter of yeah. religion. It travels through a filter of if you don't feel worth or loved, right. it, your thoughts travel through that before it can go anywhere else. Yeah. So when you deconstruct or you experience deconstruction, mm. you a lot of times lose your identity. Mm. And you don't know how to go back yeah. to a church because it used to be who you thought you were. Yeah. And your identity is now found elsewhere or not at all and a lot of my identity was found in the church mm. and when I deconstructed or when I experienced deconstruction and when it was complete mm. I didn't know how to walk through the doors of a church you didn't know up I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know who I was yeah. anymore yeah um, 
those three years following that, by the way, mm. were the single most beautiful three years of my life. Mm. Hands down, bar none, met some of the most radically beautiful people I've ever met in my life. You know what the biblical um, term for that season is? Wilderness. I feel like Jesus did something like that. You know, Jesus <laughs> and Moses and so many people. Yeah. It's a journey of wilderness. It's it's a it very, was, very common theme. It was uh, it was the single most beautiful season in my life. Mm. It was the one of the hardest, not the beautiful, hardest. Beautiful, hardest, terrible, um, wonderful. But it was it was inc- I, I yeah. love that. I love thinking about that season. Mm. Um, second question. Second question. The microphone you have in front of you is magical. Okay. And at the flip of a switch, it'll turn on for 30 seconds, mm. and the entire world will hear you. Oh, man. You have 30 seconds. Oh, what do I have to say to the world? What, oh, what do you say to the entire world? Oh, I wish you would have given me that one ahead of time. No, no, I, I like the authenticity. I, well, like, I like the pause. I mean, if I were to truly be given this microphone for 30 seconds, I'd hope I'd have time to prepare for that speech. (laughs) That'd be one of the most important sermons I'd ever given, so I'd want a little prep time. But I think it would be something along the lines of, like right now, right now, in this moment in our world, I think it would have something to do with listening and empathy and compassion. Um, right now, it, it's 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 not right now. It's being revealed right now. This is an apocalyptic time in our lives. Not because, I mean, in that biblical sense of apocalypse, is the great revealing. Things have been revealed for what they really are. Mm-hmm. Racial injustice got revealed for what has been happening. This is not fucking new. Oh, um, yeah, this no. is being shown. You know, yeah. the, the, the horse shit that's been going around with Christian nationalism in the church is not new. That's been going on. It is being revealed for what it really is right now. And that's a great reckoning. That's apocalypse, yeah. right? And in the midst of all of this upheaval, everyone's talking as if they understand the person on the other side. So there's a part of me that would want to graciously, really compassionately and kindly invite people to shut the fuck up for a moment. <laughs> Preach. That's so good. And and listening, it's this is like step zero of like a hundred step plan of reconciliation. I, I'm not so blind to say, if we could all listen, the whole world, you know, like there needs to be more than just listening. Yeah. But it will not begin if if we don't have a chance to stop and to pause and to listen and to assume that other people aren't monsters. Yeah. Whoever it is that you assume is a monster, they're a human being like you are, and they probably have rational reasons for what they're doing, even if they're doing something that you wouldn't do. So maybe get off your high horse for a goddamn second and listen to their story, Texas. Listen to the story of people who are going through yes. shit that you will never yes. understand before yes. you put together a fucking bounty program. Yes. I think the world heard you. Well, at least Elk Brewing heard Elk me. Bre- <laughs> <laughs> they did hear you. And the place is, place is cleared oh, out. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Dude, Tom, 
Thank you, bro. Dude, thank you. This is a lot of fun. Let's do it again. Oh, we have to. There's way too many things to talk about. Yes, yes. Way and, too um, many things. Do you want people to find you? That would be great. Um, I'm not on Facebook. You have a podcast. Tell, tell me about I your podcast. I do have a podcast. It's called Unraveling with Tom and Pete. We spell unraveling with two L's. There's not really a great reason for that, but we did it and then it was stuck and so we have it. So was unraveling. Was it a typo? <laughs> and then it stuck. Oh, am I going to throw my podcast host under the bus right now? Um, <laughs> so unraveling with Tom and Pete. And we have conversations around... Um, as I kind of, as I say in the recorded intro part, um, the things that we, you know, were kind of raised with experience when it's, when all of a sudden it's not working for us anymore and there's panic, there's frustration, there's grief, but that gives way, that process of unraveling, which can feel like falling apart, but it can also be that great revealing. Yeah. And so it's kind of a deconstruction podcast. Um, cool. So Pete is a former pastor. Um, when we started it, I was still serving at the church and now I'm a former pastor. We're just about to release some episodes for season three in a little bit here. And uh, we talk about all kinds of things. Cool. We bring on some fun. Dude, you gotta have me on. People. I, we, I want to, we just it's gotta, gotta be good. find the time. So it'll be good. Awesome, man. Cool, dude. Thanks, man. Yeah.